0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and we are coming to you the day after I'm here with Andrew Geiger at casual Hoya. Last night, Andrew Georgetown's season came to a close, 21 straight losses. The Hoyas finished 6-25, and the most losses in program history. They went 0-19 in the regular season in the Big East. They came up short last night. It was a good close game, but they did come up short. So they actually ended up with 20 Big East losses. How's it going?
1: Nice round number, 20. Um, historical season. I, I wouldn't have thought it would end this way, uh, but 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 here we are. I, I do agree. I think they, they played – I thought it was a spirited effort last night. They obviously played better on the defensive end. Uh, it, it's, it's a shame that they couldn't put in that effort in other games throughout the – course of the Biggie's conference season, you think they might have picked one or two off along the way. But, you know, to to come down to the wire against Seton Hall without Dante Harris, that was a that was a good effort. I don't think anyone had any issues with the effort last night. At the end of the day, you know, it just comes down to just us not having enough talent. I think I think you tweeted out um that it was really the the last minute or so of each half that spelled doom for us. And that's really yeah. where good teams make hay right I mean that's when your your best players take over and and hit clutch shots and the defenders cause cause turnovers and and that's something that we've lacked all season
0: yeah no you're right um should have mentioned that you know Dante Harris obviously who's played his heart out all season last year's Big East MVP you know the, he didn't they didn't have him for much of the game we got a look at Tyler beard who you know I pointed out last night it made seven threes all year you know, he he made two last night you know, an interesting uh, player there. But, yeah, uh, well, we at got, the end we, of the we half. Got
1: look, we got to we, we look at Beard, but then not as much of a look as you thought we might get, right? I mean, you know what
0: it kind of reminded the, me of? Huh? And there are different players, but um, when Chris Wright got hurt, instead of just saying, hey, you know what? Starks is our backup point guard. Starks, just go get it. They tried to have Austin Freeman play the way. Jason Clark, it didn't really work, you know? Um, I thought the same thing last night, particularly at the end of the game, putting Don Carey in that position. Right. Now, I'm not sure. To me, it kind of looks like Caden Rice, you know, is coming too high up to even catch that pass. But you'd probably want Don Carey to be one of the options to catch and shoot, not be the ball handler. Obviously, Ewing didn't see enough from Tyler Beard to trust him this year which, you know, we hadn't seen them a lot. So I get it, but I also don't get it. But I did have that, I did have that Starks feel for, you know, just if he's your backup point guard, next man up. You hear guys say next man up all the time, and then you don't always see it. And that, that that's not just the Georgia, it's kind of everywhere.
1: Well, that goes two ways too, right? I mean, maybe the reason why there wasn't enough faith in, in Tally Beard was because he hadn't played enough during the regular season. Oh yeah. Also a question of of why that was, because every time that he, at least we saw him on the court. I thought he was reasonably impressive. Um, you know, you mentioned he hit you, you know all those threes. And, you know, going back to that last play that, that you brought up with, with Don Carey as the ball handler, if you go by some of the, the freeze frames right before he threw that, the errand pass, man, he had some options, right? He had yeah. Holloway, it looked like, who who had yeah. some some room under the basket. He had Muhammad on, on, in the corner. There was no one near him. And then, you know, just to throw it out on the wing like that, it was, it was a little bit heartbreaking, but <laughs> somewhat funny, just in the sense that, you know, I obviously get a, got a flood of texts right after that happened being like, what, you know, WTF, blah, blah. It was just like, here we are again, you know, you get so close on the biggest stage, everyone's watching, and then you throw it away.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I was probably, if it wasn't going to be Beard, I would have liked it to have been Muhammad because Muhammad's not really known as a shooter and he can, mm-hmm. you know, get downhill. He might not make the best decision all the time, but then you've got you've got Caden running around, you've got Carry running around, maybe even Holloway, whatever. But, you know, whatever. But you did mention something, and I know I texted you, or maybe it was in the group text, but, you know, you mentioned the big stage. You know, Georgetown's been just, I mean, they haven't won since December 15th. I mean, it's hard to even, it just doesn't even make sense. But yeah. I felt something last night. I, I I wasn't up there, but it was like this is the Big East tournament. I feel it. Like, did you have any of those feels, even knowing that Georgetown basically was like a point oh three percent chance to win the whole Big East tournament?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you always think there's a chance, and especially after last year, you know, proving that it can happen. You you know, you can hat you can catch lightning in a bottle, and we were in it to win it, right? And we we, we played them tight. And, and close and
0: Pro- probably the best matchup you could have asked for outside of Butler
1: a hundred a hundred percent uh there's there, there's no doubt and and even if we had beaten Seton Hall I don't think there's any doubt that our season would have ended this evening against UConn um no because that but... that would
0: be the worst matchup
1: <laughs> <laughs> so do, honestly I think we should have beaten Seton Hall last night I mean a lot of people might say kind of like what I said like oh they play hard blah blah you could look at the other one and be like, "Wait a minute! You're playing a team that you're you're facing for the third time in for this you know in the course of not that many days. Um, their Richmond was essentially on the bench for the entire second half, so they're without like one of their big playmakers. Yes, we were without Harris, but it, it's not like Seton Hall are they're not like sending guys to the league. Um, you know that was a, a winnable game that I thought." Uh, But again, there's no sense in harping on it. I think we need to look forward instead of backwards. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One more thing that I just want to say that there were moments, I think particularly, I don't have the box score in front of me, but there were moments where it felt like Georgetown. And when I think of Georgetown, I think of good defense and just, you know, being a menace around the rim, both Ego F.A. and Muhammad, I thought just gave you those glimpses of what, when you picture Georgetown, what you expect to see from them, like the the toughness and maybe even a little bit of the intimidation there around the rim. I know Ego F, I had four blocks, and like I said, I don't have the box score right now, but that's kind of my big takeaway. Um, so I think, you know, usually after we record these pods, I sit around and I'm like, oh, what the hell should I call it? You know, this one, Andrew, I think it's, it's a no-brainer. And now we wait. And let me just go through a couple things real quick and figure out which one you want to start with. We wait for word from the university. We have not heard from DeJoya. okay? We wait to hear from Ewing again, possibly. We wait to see what Muhammad does. Uh, I think he definitely enters his name in the draft and gets feedback. I don't expect him to be a portal guy. But we also wait for the portal. I think there could be other guys. So, I mean, there's a lot. You know, it's only March 10th. Our March Madness is over. But it can actually get way effing crazier than actual games. Is there a part that you want? You want to kind of start with?
1: Well, I mean, if we wait, uh, as I mentioned before, we started, we might want to get this podcast, you know, up so people can listen to it because who knows what might happen in the the next few hours. I I don't expect, knowing Georgetown, I don't expect something immediately. I had always kind of targeted the selection Sunday-ish time frame. You know, kind of wait for the Big East tournament to end, take a few days. But, you know, before the tournament starts, you kind of want to have, if you're doing, if you're going to go into a coaching search, whether it be for a head coach or assistant, you kind of want to have that that mindset in mind, um, you know, before the tournament starts. So I think we're looking at a few days here where decisions are going to have to be made. Um, But, yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting next 48, 72 hours for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, last night, which this was not Georgetown's fault, but the zoom did not work. I think because it went into the day, but I had a virtual credential. I didn't go up there. I went the last time that it was uh, like right, right when COVID started basically, but I, I did not make it up there. And uh, so we couldn't get on the zoom. Of course it was worthless anyway, because we weren't going to be allowed to ask questions again. That's a big East thing, not a, not a Georgetown thing, but uh, you know, Ewing did say he doesn't want to make any rash decisions and, I understand that, but at the same time, like this has been a pretty slow moving disaster, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like out of the blue, something terrible happened. Like I said, they haven't won a game since, since December 15th. For me personally, well, they, they,
1: I, they haven't said, they haven't said, all he had to do was say, I will be back next year. No one has said that. <laughs> it's been going on for, for weeks now, all of these, carefully worded or per- perhaps not even carefully worded statements that are coming out of the, the, the school with names being slapped on them. And then you tweeting and all that. None of them has said Patrick, Ewing will be back as the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas next season.
0: Yeah. And, and that's why I want to hear that, from Dejoya yeah. because he's been on record with the last two coaching changes. He hasn't, I think they've just been statements from him, but like, you know, the Lee Reed thing, but I think we all agree that DeJoya is the one or the board is where the actual decisions are going to be made. And I want to hear from him because if Ewing continues, I think we need to know, we need to know why and what are the expectations going forward because they've clearly
1: changed. What can the expectation really be other than improvement? And if that's the expectation, then that's a pretty low bar, right? I mean, you, you can't suddenly say, well, our expectation is to next year make the NCAA tournament, because I don't think that's realistic. I, I don't think Patrick Ewing gets this roster sprinkled in with a few grad transfers or whoever into the NCAA tournament. So if, if that is your expectation, I think you need to make a change. Um, now, I don't think necessarily that a new head coach gets you there either, but at least it starts the process of building towards that end. And obviously, there are a lot of names out there uh, that I think can get us there pretty, pretty quickly, or at least quicker than than others. So I've
0: always been a person. Whenever this really kind of got going, maybe after like eight or nine losses, that Patrick would always be back. Things have changed a little bit for me. Um, but that being said, I want you, you, t- you're you're an alum, you're, Casual Hoya. What would be the case that the school that Patrick, whatever would make that he should come back? Like, what would be the case? Cause I think it's easy. It's a lot easier to make, to make the other case. I think mean, it's, you just sort of look at the record and you say, okay, you know, what, what would be the case?
1: Well, I think you, if you look at where we were this time last year, we we won the big East tournament, right? So, So that in and of itself is a reason to, bring him back for this season and beyond, frankly, right? And so the the, the rumors of this uh, extension that he signed, that makes sense that they would sign him to an extension. Now, the terms of, of which those are those are certainly a gray area, and my understanding is that some of the information that's been put out there of late is, is completely false. But regardless, the fact that they would sign him to an extension after last year makes a lot of sense. I mean, the program was Heading back in the right direction. Now, as far as what transpired this year, um, you can kind of make some excuses for it. Uh, Wahab leaving—that uh, obviously takes away one of the main cogs on offense. You replace him with Trey King, and then he has to leave because of some off-the-court incident. So that—that's sort of an excuse he could use. COVID. Obviously, it impacts everyone, but clearly impacted the team as well. Also, the fact that he's arguably the best player to ever put on the school's uniform, um, that should give him some benefit of doubt. But really, if you're making the case for Ewing to stay, I think last night's game is a way for his his backers to, to, to point out and say, look, this team plays hard right? You you cannot say that this team has given up. The, t- the team, I think they, they like one another. Chemistry seems to be good as or as good as it could be given the amount of losses they've taken. But the effort has always been there. And the, the results haven't been, but the effort's there. And from a fan perspective, that's really what you want to see. If you if look back a few years towards the end of the JT3 regime, I didn't see that. The The, the body language was really bad. On some of those those teams in his uh, his final season or that team in his final season, so if you take all of it and put it together, you can make the case why he should be brought back for one more year. The problem is is that if it's one more year, what is your expectation for that year? And as we just talked about, like it's unrealistic to think that they'd make a leap to get to get back to the tournament because I don't think they have the talent. And why don't they have the talent? It's because of all the exodus of all these players and who does that fall on? And ultimately it all falls back on Ewing. So it's it's a, it's an interesting puzzle to put together. um, But I can see why people might say, okay, let's give him some more time. Uh, I, I personally think it's the wrong decision, but that's just me.
0: If he continues, when did Georgetown men's basketball head coach become a Supreme court justice job, right? Because if he continues Mm -hmm. there would probably be no reason to ever make a change based on performance because it's never going to get worse than this you know i mean you're never going to go oh and 19 again that it's it's unbelievable that it happened particularly given you know georgetown's basketball budget which i pointed out last night and you know we like i said in 2017 and 2004 you know georgetown's you know the goal is to be nationally competitive and relevant well well, they're not you know five years in the program is in far worse shape than it was there's no doubt about it you know and I had tweet deck up during the game last night and you know we get so bogged down in the weeds and you know for I got you know column for Georgetown column for Hoyas and then people you know just drive by like what what Georgetown's lost this how many games in a row what what's George record? How is this happening? You know, then it's like, uh, we've been living this for a long time, guys. Um, because, you know, if you're not paying attention to your, you know, a casual sports fan, you'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. And then when you hear about, you know, Xavier who lost yesterday and now they're on the bubble, or they were they were on the bubble now they're on the wrong side. Is Travis Steele gonna go away? Is Butler gonna get rid of their coach? And I think when you start to look around at what your peers are doing and if those kind of seasons aren't acceptable, I mean, what just happened here? I don't know how you can explain it away. I don't know. And I like Patrick Ewing. I like talking to Patrick Ewing. I grew up a Patrick Ewing fan. <laughs> I have, I have no ax to grind. A lot of people are coming out of the woodwork with problems with the Thompson's and um, you know, Ewing that's, that, that's not me. If you've been listening, if you know me, that, 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 that's not me. I just don't know how the, how the school makes a case for being irrelevant nationally Competitive basketball team with, you know, based on the 2020, uh, I think it was the guys at Three Man Weave, they put out, you know, the biggest basketball budgets. Georgetown had the 12th biggest budget in the country. You you can't have stuff like this happen, you know. So either you decide to say, look, we've decided in this new world we can't compete. So then you lower your budget, you do all this. No one wants to hear that. But you know what I mean? Like they, they just don't line up. Like there's no one that's in Georgetown's range of a budget that would accept this kind of a season. I, I just don't see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and with that comes, I I completely agree with everything that you've said. I mean, obviously no one has any issue with with Ewing as a person. He's the the guy's a legend. Everyone, you know, loves Patrick Ewing. Um, But if you want to have success in the basketball court, I think it's, it's, it's time to evaluate the big picture and Again, if you bring him back, it's not it cannot just be a one-year, you know, prove-it deal, because how does that really end? I mean, the, the, the whole point of this is that if he were to step down now, it kind of saves space for both school and coach. Um, and not that he'd be walking off into the sunset, because it's not like he's walking away after a great season. Um, but no one would feel angry about it from from the fan perspective. You get one more year, and that's like okay, they're just giving him one more year because it's Patrick Ewing. Well, let's say things start to go south next year, then he steps away. Well, then what do you, what did we just do? We didn't. We, we just prolonged the inevitable. And I well, think that's what giving him one more year would do. You're just well, and that's not something.
0: Inevitable. Yeah, you're right, and that's not something you can say publicly because guess what? You can't recruit people. You know, like you know. Right. After they lost to Xavier, it was reported that he was still recruiting, which I would hope he's doing. You know, people take that as a big sign. You know, I f- follow no. college sports. Guys are re- recruiting all the time and thing- things change. But, you know, you're not going to be able to get good assistance if everyone kind of knows it's a one-year deal. Um, and that kind of leads me to, to this. And then maybe we can get some Twitter questions after this. The whole idea of shuffling the assistance, obviously, that probably should have happened a little bit by now, just sort of naturally. It hasn't. But I feel like if you bring him back, why would you make him change his assistance? Like, are are we to you know take Louis Orr for example? Is that saying that this is all Louis Orr's fault? You know, I I don't understand how that really works. I feel like it's a solution to a problem that was in our rearview mirror. I, I don't know how you say, oh, we're gonna, you know, unless I don't even know who you would get to to get people excited or to feel like this is going to be a big deal. I I feel like if, if he comes back, I'd say let him bring. If you if he likes his assistants and you like what he's doing, let him bring whoever he wants. If he wants to keep everyone, keep him. I, I I've I've sort of gone away from the assistant thing. I think that was a solution two years ago.
1: I I completely agree, and I, and I think that it it getting rid of your assistants, you know, the the shuffling of the chairs and the Titanic or whatever the that analogy. I mean, it doesn't really doesn't really do anything because. You, you, when you bring new assistants on like that, it, it almost takes away from their ability to recruit players long term because who knows how long they're going to be there? It's just it's a, it's a tough spot for all involved. I don't know which which assistants would even sign on. I know you and Nolan talked about it on the last podcast. You'd have to get some sort of guy who's maybe been out of the picture for a while who wants to get back in, like a Mike Rice, or look for some young up and comer. Um, who's looking to make a name for himself, who knows, but it's just not, it's not going to work. And I know Ewing has been really loyal to his staff since he he took the job, Um, but to sort of run the bus over the staff just to keep him there. I I don't think that's a good look at all.
0: Yeah. Again, I I think it's just, I mean, look, in my, in my life, (laughs) I wait too long to do a lot of things. Um, I'm sure you could hear in the background, people would be complaining about me, but I feel like this is, this is one of those situations where like you waited too long to do this and now doing it doesn't, doesn't really do a whole lot. Um,
1: And, and look, these assistants, I mean, these are individuals that have obviously aspirations to continue working in the game. Right. It's like, I mean, or who knows? He he might be done. I I don't know, but you know, Kirby is, is a, is still a good recruiter and, and and Wahid has 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 been around the game for a while, and he doesn't want this to be his last stop too. So I, there's there's a certain degree of fairness too that he, that assuming they do make some staff changes, um, you know, I, I just don't like the way that that smells. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to tackle some of the Twitter cues?
0: Yeah, but speaking of Twitter, we couldn't help but notice. Our guys, friends of the pod. I've gotten to know them a little bit uh the dog talk guys. I assume it was Chris yeah. Wright tweeting earlier. It might have been austin i I assume Chris does most of the most of the PR stuff plus it was happening you know early in the morning, so I think he's over in Europe and all that stuff. but anyway, I totally get where they're coming from, but yeah. I think that neither of them are probably ready to be full-time assistants. I think that. They look at what happened at Villanova, what's happened at Duke, and they say, you know, why isn't it happening here? And that's a really good question. But I think that they're more, like, um, entry-level basketball operations, assistant basketball operations, video coordinator, special assistant. I think they're more along those lines. I think it would be hard with, you know, the program struggling, Patrick struggling, to bring on guys that have never – been assistant coaches in college basketball that's not to say that they don't know how to coach because i know austin's with the math and we'd love to get some Demath kids 100 percent um and chris obviously is still playing but i think if i have them on again or we get to talk to them i think that they maybe would agree that there are spots that could be made for them or players and alumni like them that are young trying to get into it but i think it'd be a big ask to be like okay we're going to replace louis Orr with Chris Wright. You know what I mean? I think that that's, that would probably be difficult. So I think that they're on a, They could definitely help the program them or players like them, but probably not
1: to be like, no, I, I think, I think what George Chen really needs is our X's and O's, uh, especially in the defensive end. Um, I think a, a Kirby recruiting type, I think a broadest recruiter type, you know, you need one of those as well. Um, but then as far as where a an alum might fit in on, on the staff I, I think we you know we had john wallace if you had before with jg3 i think if you have a younger uh former player that can perhaps better relate to some of the guys on the roster that that's always helpful yeah. so i i think certainly in, in austin or chris or whoever would be a good addition but not in any like just like you said, like not in any number one or number two assistant role, at least not yet. I don't think they're ready. Uh, interestingly enough, I, Ewing Junior might be, um, but um, he, he obviously the nepotism policy, which is absurd given our school, is in place, and he he can't.
0: That's it's literally the craziest thing. Oh, that's that's actually not true. There's a <laughs> lot of crazy things, but that's it's just it's it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. Yeah, if you yeah. want to go ahead and read some. Twitter questions or comments that'd be good.
1: Yeah, I got I got a couple um, that were DM'd to me. I guess Ooh, because they were sliding in a little bit too loud. Some slide, some slide. Uh, let's see. Uh, will the school consider ways to better connect with the growing fan base outside of alumni and current Georgetown students? Uh, sure. I, I mean, I, I think this school has priorities. Um, I think they realize that their connection with the Georgetown fan base has not been, they haven't been particularly good good at doing it. Um, But I think as far as the priorities go, they need to get certain things in place before they even uh, attack that. Um, Part of the question, the the follow-up here was, why do we keep losing talent in the athletics marketing office why are there chronic issues of outdated information online that leaves the program with an unprofessional look? Maybe that's something that you can answer if you go to all these pressers and whatnot. I mean, what's your, your basic take from how athletics works from a media perspective?
0: I think it's been improving. Mm-hmm. I think that what I'm scared about, or I guess concerned, worried about is, is that if you remember Ken Palm, who I love, I love that site, you know, he was kind of like, hey, Georgetown, where's your roster? I need your roster. And the season kind of started with the way it looked like to me is Georgetown wanting to pretend it wasn't coming about because they knew maybe they were going to be bad or, you know, I don't think they thought they were going to be this bad, but, you know, they knew something was coming. And the Trey King thing that we were all, you know, wondering about. And, you know, so the way that that was sort of handled where there was just it was just silence. Whoever makes those decisions high up, I don't know. And if we get silence after this, like if they decide to roll it back or to run it back with Patrick, I don't think it can be something like, "Well, season's over, and you know we'll talk to everyone in October." That would be crazy. You know, I think if they decide to go with Patrick, that he, you know, he, they need to come out and say, "Look, I know Patrick has, you know, expressed his, you know, regret and he's disappointed all this stuff. You know, if they're gonna go with him, I think he needs to come out." And try and become more personable to give people something else to hold on to besides the winning and the losing because it's been all losing. And I think Patrick needs to say, "Look, I said that, that this wasn't what I'm about. This wasn't where about, and it didn't go the way we wanted. And we're going to fix it. And I got to rethink everything I do, or I, I got to rethink a lot of the things I do defensively. I need to take more input. I just I need him to be more, and I, I need the, the university to help him do this to get out to the fans that are still around, which by the way aren't a whole lot." To say like yes there's there's this this did not go well, and I'm going to try and figure it out and i I need to change some of the things I do because I think there's a sense that Georgetown they do everything this way, and you know no matter what we're going to keep doing it this way, and that's not a good message, so maybe I went on yeah. off a little bit of a sidebar there, but
1: um Couple questions with regard to the the, the roster. I'm getting off the doing <laughs> thing for a second. Which of the freshmen, other than Muhammad, is likely to make the biggest jump next year? And which one would you like to see more of this year? Um, I, I think for me, the answer to both of those is is well. see the one I would like to see more of this year that's that's Tyler Beard for me. Uh, just because I, I thought he did show some some promise whenever he was on the floor. Billingsley. Um, I can't tell if you're serious. I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which of the freshman Mohammed is likely to make the biggest jump next year? I still think that's I think that's Tyler, um, because he's gonna get more playing time. Um I I actually assume he would. I mean if Harris is back and Mohammed's back and I don't know where Tyler really gets the minutes, um but I, I think, I think, I think of, of the Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I think of the of the crop he, he showed the most promise.
0: I think people were hoping for more from Jordan Riley. I think there was a lot of like YouTube videos about him, you know, dunking, like he was like another McClung with the, you know, incredible vertical and all that stuff, and we didn't get to see a lot of him. When we did see him, didn't really see it, you know? And well
1: so so one of the questions one of the questions is actually how do you think Jordan Riley would have factored into the equation if he wasn't injured? And so I, I don't know. I I think we didn't really get to see him play when he wasn't injured but then it came out that he may never have really been healthy so i think it was just kind of a lost season for him i think we saw yeah. some of, some of that uh, athleticism but certainly not to the extent that we saw in those youtube videos uh so i mean hopefully he can add something to the mix next season but i'm not i don't have my hopes up because i just haven't seen it yet um the more intriguing part of this question was uh about colin holloway uh, can he be an all league level player next season with a full off season with work on explosiveness and strength? What's your take on young Colin?
0: I've been really impressed. I think he gets the most out of what he can give. I, I think, I think at the end of last year, I was really high on him because he was playing over Sibley and you could kind of see it. Like I felt like there was a little bit of a drill Beneman type uh, leap in mm-hmm. there for him. And I think Jarrell, you know, obviously played in the NBA for a second. Jarrell's probably better better physically. But I think that Colin Holloway is what you want to get every cycle, a four-year player that's just going to get better every year. And I, I wouldn't expect him to stop improving. So I think that that is great. But that's the thing, too, about recruiting is that you can't rely on, like, a million diamond in the roughs. You, you know what I mean? And he's definitely one that's working out. and the hit rate on guys like him is not gonna be super high. But for him, I think that he is uh, all league is pretty hard. It's a really good it's a really good league, you know, as we're finding out. And uh so yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot to be positive about about Colin. And, you know, last night without Dante, you saw all those shots he got because I mean someone had to mm-hmm. shoot it and he found himself in the spots to do it. I'm sure he would have liked to have shot better, but he was, you know, he yeah, he I really like wanted pretty that, good.
1: that, that. I really wanted that last shot he took from the corner to, to go down for him. And, you know, that oh, yeah. was probably got the win. But I have been really impressed with him all season. I had zero expectations of him heading into the season. And he stepped up to be a pretty reliable player for us. I mean, maybe, maybe the single most reliable. I mean, there are games where Muhammad would literally have no field goals. <laughs> you know, he would do a lot of damage on, on from the free throw line and whatnot. But, you know, Holloway – just showed me some impressive footwork um and ability to get into the lane, a good touch uh you know from the outside as well i I think he's certainly someone that you can not gonna say build around, but I think he's a good a good piece for next year's um next year's squad uh let's see uh, i guess clarify the terms of Ewing's contract if you can okay, so here's the deal I haven't seen Ewing's contract. No one's seen in contract, right? We know that there are reports out there saying that he has three fully guaranteed four more years, right? He's got this year plus three fully. I'd be guaranteed. really surprised that right? if that's accurate. Right. So.
0: And just real, real I, quick to I, have, so everyone knows. Well,
1: well,
0: yeah. I was going to say, you know, like UConn is the only school in the conference where you can actually, you know, go to their website, look up the state employees, which I did for the last podcast with Nolan. um, And you can also Freedom of of Information Act and get the actual contracts. So everything that you hear about a Georgetown contract, you're going to want to have like multiple sources on that and has to be a really trusted, you know, I know people like, why hasn't the Washington Post dug, dug into this? Well, you know, there's certain levels where, you know, what... An outlet can publish, you know what I mean. So it's hard to know this. Right. Now there are tax documents that you can go back. I forget the exact the exact number or whatever, but you know you you can go back and see they ha- they have to release they have to release information like, periodically, and that that that's where you can see like what Ewing made his first year. You can see part of the JT three buyout, um, but as far as the actual details of the contract, you know, unless Patrick or his agent or someone likes to share that with you. Um, it's unlikely that you have that,
1: right? And, and to jump off that from some perspective, because I happened to negotiate a contract for a Division One head coach last last off offseason, um, and it was an extension. And there's no way that, and look, Georgetown could be different. I don't know who's in the negotiating room, but like, if you go in saying I want a three-year extension with every year guaranteed, you get laughed out of the room like that's just not how it works right um you know some might say oh well david Falk's involved and he's got relationships so georgian might david that almost makes me think that it's even more ridiculous because david falk knows the landscape of how things work i doubt he would even suggest three fully guaranteed years because he knows that that's just not how contracts are, are done these days what makes more sense to me is that he has a Fully guaranteed sixth year, so next year, and then year seven and year eight, if we if we think it's a three year deal, those are going to be partially guaranteed, right? So you've got the full number that you would need to pay for year six, but to get them out of the contract, year seven and eight would be partial. And what percentage of that partial, um, for bio purposes, that I don't know. But I would be very, very, very surprised if all three years are guaranteed because I I just haven't seen that anywhere uh, in college basketball. Correct. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. A good question here. If Ewing's back next year, what are some reasons we might want to still watch?
0: (laughs) Well, I think like most fans and you know, over the years, I've been completely desensitized to the Redskins, which are on their third name, right? We've got the football team, now Commanders. You know, um, usually we just follow the laundry. And I think if you're a big Georgetown fan, you're going to keep watching. And then over time, people kind of fade away. Now, the problem with that is some people are in different stages of that fade, right? So I don't know where this person particularly is, but... That's kind of the thing. Like if you are a legitimate fan, if you're a fan that just shows up in March, it doesn't really matter to you because look, they played a great game last night, in the big East tournament. It was a cool atmosphere. It's a mass square garden. You know, it's a bummer they lost, but if that's enough for you, that's enough for you. Um, if you're someone like us, that's going to watch every game and tweet about it and do silly podcasts, then it's probably going to take more than the last couple of years for you to just take a hike, I guess. So what would be the reasons? Um, I will say this: When I graduated college, Georgetown wasn't doing. I didn't go to Georgetown, but Georgetown wasn't doing very well. I got season tickets at a pretty good deal, and then as they got better, um, I had good seats. You know, so there are you know just like anything, like you know, buy the stock low, that, that kind of stuff. If you know, no one's going to confuse going to confuse you with being a bandwagon if you go to nineteen nine and get all the cool Georgetown gear and wear it with pride, and just hoping that someday they're they're going to get back. You know, so that's the best I can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people will, will tune in. I think the, the issue that we saw this season uh, more so than last or that people tune out uh, when the team starts losing and they might tune back in for the biggest tournament because, hey, it's, it's MSG and you never know, blah, blah, blah. But the issue is retaining those fans and the eyeballs uh, throughout the second, well, through really the conference play. Um, I don't know if, if they're if this team is going to give people a reason to watch, to be honest, if, if they run it back. And there's really no exciting player that I can think of that's coming in. I know, you know, Denver, Anglin has put up some gaudy numbers recently, and it's, this tape looks pretty good. But this isn't someone that's going to come in and turn the program around. Yeah. So, look,
0: everyone loves, you know, we always hear, and, you know, people tweeted me. Everyone loves Chris Grossing, now at Penn State. Right. He did all those yeah, like kooky yeah. things. You can all you can do whatever you want if they don't win it doesn't matter now it, it's great to have yeah. someone like that when you are struggling and you're on your way up or whatever, but like all the kale, the virtual reality night dress like a student, all that stuff is cool, but if you don't win, people just they you know what i mean so i don't even know what the university can do. You know, I mean, this year in this in the in the arena, they had like this light program where they turn the lights down, and then like everyone had like an app and it did some sort of light mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. I assume that I think you've been at the, at the two lane games. I think everyone's doing it. So I mean, like the university is doing stuff like that, but you just can't lose twenty one games in a row. You can't be one of the worst power teams in the league. You you've got you know you you just got to be better on the court.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I just can't kind escape of the fact that it this was literally any other coach at any other school after a season like this, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The conversation would be who's the next coach, you know, who who were the best candidates, which may very well be the topic of our our next podcast. And that may very well be the next day or so. I I don't know. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, like today I was
0: watching, (laughs) today I was watching Butler. They almost came, Providence is a fraud. I'm picking them to lose in the first game of the NCAA tournament. They're not making the sweet 16. I've been saying it all along, but they squeaked by again today with their team of like 25 year olds. and, you know, the announcers like, did uh Jordan do enough to save his job? And then you look at where Butler is, you know, again, yeah. that's probably like they're 14 and 19. They went six and fourteen in the league. Like five and a half games better than Georgetown. But they're you know, they're questioning it's like, like same thing with Xavier. They're eighteen and thirteen, eight and eleven. And and then in Georgetown, it's like, oh, you know, six and
1: twenty-five, oh and nineteen. It's just such a Right, um, if bubble bubble team bubble teams are thinking about making changes, then we're we're okay with finishing with zero wins and conference.
0: It's tough. I mean, like we're living like the the most extreme example of why it's probably not great to hire someone like this because it's hard to separate, you know, it's hard to hire your sister to run the accounting because
1: the cash and flows, you know what I, I mean? O'Con- like, it's, it's, it's hard. Well, and that Ian O'Connor article that came out today from the Daily uh, News or the Post or whatever, where he's like, you know, Ewing deserves one more year. I don't know if that was him, Ewing kind of cashing in some chips with, with that publication from the, the 10 days of the Knicks. And like, you know, hey, do me a favor. But that the, the meat of that article was really just like, oh, be, essentially because he's Patrick Ewing, he deserves another shot. And I think that article even acknowledged that if it was any other coach at any other school, that we wouldn't even have in this conversation. So, again, if the argument is, it's Patrick Ewing, he deserves another chance. Well, that's fine and dandy, but the long-term ramifications of that decision are are, are not good for the school.
0: I think we're going to have to do our last one based on me picking up small children. What do you mean? It's our last Twitter question.
1: Oh, what is it? Go ahead. No, I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh! You're the last question. No, I think we're good. I think that, oh. that those are some of the uh, the, the big ones. Um, I'm hopeful that we can regroup pretty soon. I, I hope that we do have some news to talk about. I'm sure we will. Um, something. Some of those chairs on the on the bench are going to get rearranged. We just don't know which ones just yet. So stay tuned, everyone. I don't know if you want to give your usual listen to us on Spotify. Blah blah blah.
0: Oh, Of of course I do Yes, Thank you for (laughs) listening to Kente Corner If you found us that's great Obviously you can get us anywhere you get your podcasts Including Spotify, Apple, Google And all that stuff I'm Bobby Bancroft and it would be great If you could subscribe If you could send me a message Or tweet at me Actually you know what just go ahead and tweet at me Messages are okay too but let's try and keep it out there But um, he's Casual Hoya And we are going to be back March Madness is coming it's coming for Georgetown, even though they don't have games. We just don't know exactly what. Thank you, Andrew. You know what else
1: is back? You know what else is back? Baseball what? is back. Oh, Baseball. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> we'll talk more later.